A moment's prayer before the sermon. Let us pray. May the words that I speak now, the thoughts and the feelings that we all now experience, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I have been wrestling for several weeks now with what on earth can we possibly say as Christian people about what is going on in Syria, in the town of Homs? What on earth can we say about the humanitarian disaster going on there? The inhumanity of human beings to other human beings. We don't really understand what is happening we certainly don't understand why it's happening and so we feel we can say nothing apart from the fact we wish it wasn't happening. We pray to God to stop it happening. But what steps human beings can take in that situation to stop it happening, nobody seems to know. And the more I try and find out about the situation and about the points of view of all the different parties to that horrible, horrible set of events, the more I start to understand a little bit of why each group of people are behaving like they do, the more I come to realise that they cannot see what to do either. They are trapped. They do what they do because they can't see what else to do because they don't know how to get out of the problem. It almost feels like a situation without hope. Whenever anyone suggests a solution, people always want to know exactly what will happen. If they do this, what will then happen? They need to be certain, they need to be sure before they will step out and do anything. And all we can do is hold them in our prayers and hold them before God and pray that God will be able to redeem the mess and bring hope out of despair, life out of death. And it was thinking those sort of dark thoughts that influenced me when I was reading the Bible reading set for today. We heard the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in Rome and his letter sent much further on as well. We heard him there reflecting on the story of Abraham. Now, the story of Abraham is a story of a person who was in a situation, a set of situations, where he did not know what was going to happen next. He did not know what to do. And again and again, through the story of Abraham, 
Abraham feels the prompting of God, hears the call of God to step out into an unknown future. To leave the situation he was in, however difficult that situation was, at least he knew where he was, feeling the call of God to leave the situation he was in and to step out into an unknown future. In his case, physically, to go to places he'd never been before and didn't know how he'd be treated and received when he got there. A migrant, if you like. An unknown place and an unknown future. And not surprisingly, throughout the story of Abraham, you hear Abraham debating with God, and yes, having doubts, because Abraham trusts God, but he also questions God as he makes that commitment of trust. Abraham wanting to know exactly what's going to happen. I want to know what will happen next before I dare take a step. And at times... Abraham thinking that the implications of what God is saying are just so incredible, he must have misunderstood the message. He's getting on for a hundred years old and his wife's the same. They have no descendants, no children. And God starts talking about their descendants and promising them descendants. In the story in Genesis, when that message comes from God through the angels, message given to Abraham, Sarah is busy outside the tent preparing food. When she overhears it, she laughs. It is just too absurd, too incredible for words. But Abraham and Sarah trust God. Not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Not knowing how what God says will come about. But being prepared to go with God. Nevertheless. And St. Paul in writing to the Romans is saying... That story is at the heart of it. If you want to be a fully human being, if you want to be with God, if you want to be secure in the future, it doesn't matter what particular things you do and don't do. What really matters is that you relate to God and trust God. The details will then take care of themselves. <coughs> it's not the case that you have to do so many good things before God will pay you any attention. God loves you anyway. You have to trust God. 
I remember talking to two people who were due to get married and we were planning their wedding service and I was trying to get them to talk about what sort of commitment they thought they were making to each other and the man began to talk about how he envisaged their married life going on and he obviously had a timetable in his mind we'll get married in 12 months time and by that time I will have got this job and be earning this amount of money we'll then move to this place and we will do this and then in five years time we will have children and the woman stopped and said but what happens if I want to have children in three years time I might say I want to have children in five years' time now, but supposing in three years' time I change my mind. And he said, that would be terrible. We've got to know what's going to happen, or how can we commit ourselves to do things. I became worried about whether I should be marrying them at all. point being that the man wanted to control all the detail to have knowledge of what was going to happen so he was in charge he was not prepared to trust his wife and trust God and trust that whatever happened in the future they'd be able to work it out as they went along And which attitude makes the better marriage? It is the second. And the point is that God wants us, similarly, to trust God and to go along with God, trusting that things will be sorted out somehow if we are with God, no matter what happens. And that's the message that Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples in that reading from the Gospel of Mark that we heard. This immediately follows the moment when Jesus asks his disciples who they think he is, how they're understanding him, how they're interpreting him. And Peter has made the great breakthrough. He has recognised that Jesus is in some way God's special agent, God's anointed Messiah, God's Son. And so in the passage you heard, Peter having in a sense begun to make the great breakthrough in understanding the importance of Jesus. Jesus starts to talk and saying, Yes, and being God's special agent, being anointed by God, being God's son, means that I'm probably going to end up tortured, executed, and raised to new life again. And Peter says, no way! Peter starts to rebuke him, it says. No, says Peter, That can't be right. 
the Son of God, God's agent in the world, can't be tortured and executed by human beings? No. That's not the right way to be God's Messiah, says Peter, who knows everything, of course. And Jesus turns to him and gives him the sharpest telling off that Jesus gives anybody in the Gospels. He turns to him and says, Peter, you're being Satan. Go away. Get behind me, Satan. Because Peter has just voiced the greatest temptation of the devil to Jesus, which is to be God's son, but not in God's way. It is to decide in advance what being with God is going to be like. It's deciding in advance what will and won't happen. Instead of being prepared to go along with God, no matter what happens. And Peter is rebuked. So Jesus goes on in the passage we heard to explain what's going to happen to him. And then he calls his followers together. And this is when it's the sort of lesson that you wish you don't have. Their mind... Their minds, the minds of the disciples, must have been stretched almost to breaking point with what has just happened, with the breakthrough of understanding about who Jesus is that Peter has made, with the terrible mistake Peter has just made, with the teaching that Jesus has just given about what it means for him to be God's Son and Messiah. Their minds must have been stretched to breaking point. And then Jesus turns to them and says, And if being God's son and God's agent, for me, means possibly going to a cross and being executed, if that's what it means for me, then actually, if you're going to be my followers, then you're going to have something similar you too are going to have to take up your cross and come with me. You may not end up crucified, but you're going to have to be prepared to walk the way of suffering love that I walk. You're going to have to be prepared to go along with God, trusting in God, no matter what might happen. And if you're not prepared to do that, then I don't want anything to do with you. He says, in effect, he says, if you want to say to God in advance, I'm prepared to go along with you, God. I'm prepared to be a follower of Jesus, providing it gives me safety, providing it gives me security, providing it gives me prosperity, providing it gives me a good time. And if it doesn't give me those things I don't want to know, then you've got it wrong, says Jesus. 
if you're prepared to go along with Jesus no matter what happens, taking the rough with the smooth, trusting that God will bring about God's purposes, then I will not be ashamed of you. If you think it wrong that God's Son loves people so much he's prepared to die for them, if you're ashamed of God appearing to be such a vile, worthless sort of thing, if you're ashamed of the fact that God's love is something that the rest of the world despises, then I will end up ashamed of you, says Jesus. For what does, how does it help people if you try and get good things for yourself but give up your soul in order to achieve them. If you seek to gain your life and give up true life, your true self, in order to do it, where does that get you, says Jesus? But the amazing thing is, as Paul says to the Romans, that the followers of Jesus share in the love of God and share in Jesus' trust in God just like Abraham trusted in God. And life wasn't any easier for Abraham when Abraham trusted in God. But wherever he went, he was with God. And God brought good things out of both the prosperity and out of the hardship that Abraham went through. Just as through both the hardship of the crucifixion and the great joy and life of the resurrection, God brought incredible things, new life to the world through Jesus and through his followers. Today let us pray that we may have the courage and the trust to put our commitment in Jesus, the same sort of faith and trust that Abraham had. Amen. Amen.